Hello everyone, this is China Paradigm, where we, Dashi Consulting, interview seasoned entrepreneurs in China. The founder and manager of Pukapao, a marketing and innovation consultancy, focusing recently over, you can tell us about over maybe two years, four years, about food, cooking, uh, culinary activities mixed with innovation and consulting, what you have done for uh, 15 years, I think, even more, within big companies uh, at Danone, DSK, and for your clients as a consulting firm. You are based in China, initially in Beijing, and then in Shanghai, um, and food is big business in China. Uh, when we look at the numbers, uh, we can see that um, um, imported food has been rising, and last year, 2017, sorry, uh, 58.3 billion dollars uh, of food and beverage from outside of China has been imported, and that increased 25% from 2016 to 2017. So there is a huge uh, demand for good food. Uh, it's 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 key for Chinese to actually understand how food is cooked in a restaurant. It's key for them also to um, cook themselves um, and uh, to um, eat well. And that has been part of, of the culture in China. Maybe that's also the link with, with, with the French culture and with Europe and French, France, generally speaking. Um, thank you very much for, for being with us. So first of all, could you explain more about how you came up with this idea of using food and as, uh, f to build a connection on innovations and talk about innovations with your clients. Thank you, Mathieu. Uh, thank you very much for um, for having me today. Well, indeed, food is um, food is a pretty universal um, thing, uh, and more specifically, it's uh, it's a it's a very strong feature of my original culture, the French culture that everybody knows. And um, I happen to be living in a country where also uh, it's very central um, to the culture. This is where people gather around food. They have serious discussions around food, um, the way food is purchased, the way it's put together, the way it's presented, all of that matters a lot. Um, and, and, and then to answer your question, it, uh, of the crossroads of my two areas of, of expertise, um, I, I have a 20-year uh, career in, in innovation. That's my uh, business uh, expertise and, and passion. Uh, and as you, as you mentioned, um, I, I had um, a corporate career um, before setting up my own company um, 10 years ago, which is Pourquoi Pas, uh, Innovation Consultancy. Um, and, and it happens that on the side, uh, my personal hobby has always been cooking. Uh, and uh, this is, um, I consider that this new um, expertise on, on cooking is the present that China gave me. Uh, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, because it's really when I came to China that I started um, making uh, cooking part of my professional life. And it, after, um, I've led countless uh, workshops with my clients, um, helping them to be more creative, to improve their innovation projects, and to 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 push their uh, their innovation competencies a little bit further. And I I kept thinking that. Um, 
there, 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 there should be another way of talking about innovation that is not the project itself, the corporate environment itself. You know, it's a famous saying by um, Albert Einstein that problems cannot be solved within the framework in which they were created. You, when your your human brain faced with a problem, you all you need to take it outside of its original context in order to find new solutions. This is um, one of the features of creativity: is this ability to 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 go sideways, to to change playgrounds. And and it, I just naturally the, the two my two worlds collided, and I thought, well. Surely there's something with being in the kitchen. This is an area where all the, the skills um, that are needed for innovation can be experienced. And also all the barriers that I could see my clients bumping into, all of those we can, we can break down in the, in the context of the kitchen. You know, the, the fear of failing is one of the biggest, um, barriers for innovation um, and and culturally in China this is a very very big one not losing face um, and in the context of the kitchen everything becomes so familiar and so playful um, everyone has a kitchen uh, everyone has been in the kitchen at some stage so it's I started developing the, my two activities and putting them together and it's 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 been wonderful. <laughs> So, um, for some people who are in consulting and innovation, they know about serious games, serious play, like Lego play, workshop where you use a Lego, where you are going to do serious play, serious, uh, serious game, sorry, uh, in order to um, uh, build on innovation and to see who could be your partner, who could be your competitor with those Lego game and so on. The first time I heard about that, I was a bit surprised that we could use this kind of game to actually help people to innovate and, and, and think about the environment. How do you use uh, cooking, food, uh, putting together a team uh, to work on a recipe, maybe a new recipe, maybe an old recipe, or maybe building an old recipe from an, an old recipe and then creating a new one, adapting to a market? How do, could, you, could you help uh, us understand how it helped putting people together uh, and and uh, and 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 bring them to innovate. I would add one more thing. Uh, I interviewed uh, previously someone who worked on the Guise Michelin, uh, Florent, and he told me uh, that the restaurants now have they need to have three criteria to be successful. One of them being playful. Second is uh, to to be good food, good material, and also uh, to be uh, digitally savvy. Uh, but the first one was was to be playful. So I believe there is something around food uh, to 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 build community, to play playful, to build team. But you go first, you go further because you say it's not only to build team, it's to innovate together. Would you mind giving some examples of how it can happen? Yes, absolutely. Well, it's fantastic you quoted playful again because I spontaneously used the word um, in, in, uh, in my previous statement and that's one of the huge values of the, of the kitchen and you, go, you quoted Lego. That's also what they do. They take people back to their childhood. So you remove all the barriers about... <gasps> Um, this is this, I've got this big project and, um, I absolutely need to perform and my career depends on it and I, there are big numbers involved. You suddenly, you remove all of that. You're into a new universe where a, a universe of possibilities, um, of open mind 
and enjoyment. Um, the, the, the pressure of the business life makes it very difficult for um, team members to have fun, quite honestly. So one of the huge values of being in a kitchen um, is that. But I'll take it step by step, really. Um, so first of all, the way I handle uh, a client brief is always tailor-made. Um, in order to be really, really, uh, uh, to deliver results for a specific team, I really use all of my experience uh, of working with various industries, um, all sorts of companies, small, medium, uh, large, multinational, and I understand deeply what is needed in that specific situation in the context of a specific uh, innovation project with that industry and that company culture. Um, and I would design um, something completely unique, uh, both in the kitchen and in a workshop that happens um, most of the time a little bit before and certainly after the experience in the kitchen. And that's the only way to make it 100% um, efficient. So there's no, um, it, it's it's not one size fits all. There, it's not, uh, it's, a, it's, it's like a recipe. I create a specific recipe literally uh, and figuratively for every single brief. Um, and what I would ask the teams to do depends on the objective. Like um, uh, on Sunday, for for instance, I um, I handed um, um, I handled a, a, a team building event for a team of seventy two people, so a very large team. Um, and the the objective of the client was to bring different functions together and to. F to help them to work better. Um, they have different objectives, very different cultures. So I divided sub-teams, making sure that all the functions were, were mixed. And I designed a workshop in the kitchen where people had to do, they had two objectives. Each team had two objectives. One was to replicate a dish that I demonstrated. And then the other objective was for them to cook something creatively together. So there was the reassurance of getting started on something a little bit easier, they had to do again what they had seen me um, cook. So that was a way of helping them to get it get started. And then they, the energy in the room was incredible already at that stage. And, and people were very enthusiastic about seeing the result because that's one of the beauties of cooking is that you, it's tangible. Um, you start with separate ingredients and after 45 minutes you have a you have a dish that can feed people it's it's there it exists and it's useful there's a huge amount of pride and this is a very simple to understand um, human benefit you've really produced something useful together so the teams were all energized and enthusiastic in the room and then they they, they really surprised me at, at how fast and how easily they started the second objective, which was to create a dish. They had all a huge basket of ingredients and they could do whatever they wanted. It was a vegetable side dish and I gave no other criteria. Just make it um, look beautiful and taste delicious. That was it. And, and the yes, the level of enthusiasm and was was amazing at the end of the the workshop. So that's one example. But then uh, I can also work more deeply on a single competency. It can be creativity. It can be time management. 
Um, it can be the ability to assign clear responsibilities and to stick to that. That's one of the usual flaws in innovation processes that the roles are not clearly defined or people get rid of some of their responsibilities <laughs> as they go along because it feels um, uncomfortable. So it all depends on um, the company's specific um, challenges. I understand the part which is duplicating your work. Uh, let's maybe skip this one and to focus on the one of innovation. So. How, how do you manage it? Uh, do you ask them to write down how they are going to cook first together in team so they have an idea of where they're innovative, where they copy, when they copy, how to actually copy a bit differently to bring a bit of innovation? We say that Picasso said actually every innovation is, is kind of copying someone else. Uh, it, it, it's, it's known that you need to copy to learn after how to innovate. And uh, how, how do you organize it uh, for a specific case uh, in order to make it um, a learning experience and not, not only a fun experience because I believe that it's about learning how to innovate. One more thing that I feel which is very interesting, I didn't feel at the beginning, I didn't understand that, but that's true that in most team building activity, people don't come up with something they build together. And here, you come up with something you build together, so that's why you can actually connect with innovation. And second thing is, uh, you make innovation um, easy to access again. Uh, you make innovation like a final product at the end of the session. And innovation is very seen in the world as something very complicated, something technological, something hard, something lengthy, something which is going to, to be actually uh, um, uh, very far away from yourself. When you're a marketing manager, when you're a finance manager, when you're a logistic manager, innovation seems to be very far from you. It seems to be for startup or it seems to be for the big boss but maybe not for yourself. And you make it more, 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 more closer to each person. So could you, could you please describe a bit more different processes? We understand they innovate with a, uh, their own recipe, but how do you organize it to make it a learning experience? So, so uh, as I said, it all depends on the specific objectives, but um, the, where the learning um, uh, is really crystallized is in a workshop that follows the experience in the kitchen and that I facilitate. So that's where we all sit down. We've, we've had an experience in the kitchen and I designed it so that it pushes some specific, um, skills. So whether it's, it's cr pure creativity, uh, that can be done with, then I, I ask the teams to, to create something and I, I could give specific object adjectives that I can draw on what's happening at this point in time in the company and give, give, um, the teams a basket of ingredients and then two adjectives and they have to create a dish that represents those two adjectives. And then it can also get the teams uh, thinking in a, in a creative and in a strategic way already. So that there, there are really very strong parallels with an innovation brief, but that is all made to measure according to the client's needs. So that's the kitchen part. But then we sit down and it can be, uh, I like it to be in this, on the same day because all the learnings are still fresh. If it's the following day, we lose some of it. So uh, typically we sit down and then I facilitate a session where we reflect on what happened and I lead the discussion on individually how was it for you and I ask people to to make notes as they go during the kitchen experience and and as sub teams most of the time we we have sub teams but I can do a single cooking experience for a team of 10 for instance that's manageable as one 
one whole team, but usually I, 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 I split the a bigger team into, into sub teams. So, um, and I, I just, I, I take back everything that the teams, um, report and we reflect together. And then that's when I, I draw the parallel with, um, a specific project happening at that point in time or a specific challenge. And we can have other exercises. I, I use my, um, my experience of, of workshops and I can, I can use other techniques to push, uh, the thinking. We can go into building on insights. Uh, and it's also, it can be extremely powerful for companies who deal, um, who are working in the food and, and beverage industry, of course, that is, that is very, very easy to move from what happened in the kitchen into the real world. We can, we can be literal sometimes. We've worked on a specific product and it can create some, some specific business ideas. But of course, that's the perfect, um, um, the perfect eco. Um, so that's really when things happen, uh, after the, the kitchen experience, uh, with a class, a more classical workshop approach and, and uh, deeper discussions. What would be an adjective you would use to, to actually give a direction for a recipe? Because I believe it, it couldn't be like sweet because people are going to put sugar everywhere. What kind of adjective you could, could uh, be uh, used in a creative brief that actually can be reused in a, in a, in a recipe uh, in order to actually uh, embody um, this, this innovation, innovation brief? You could share a bit of examples. Yes, that can be disruptive. And oh, I would dis disruptive, right? Yes, yes. Um, that would be a really good one for a, a company that wishes to push the team's creativity and to lead them to think out of the box. Which, once again, in the context of a real innovation project, is so difficult. I mean, this is the um, this is the déjà vu expression everywhere. But how do you think out of the box when you are in your office and uh, you've got reports uh, all around you and and you've been looking at this problem for the past months um it's the only way is to take it out of its context so that's a very powerful one and then i i as as a as a professional cook myself i i know how i would help the teams in the kitchen to make sure that they they really produce something and i would design the basket of ingredients so that disruption is is possible uh, mixing savory and sweet is an obvious one but also helping them to push the presentation say okay well that's so you your initial team idea is to um to cook an omelet uh, well I, how will you make it look different? How will it taste different? How will it, what about the color, the smell, the, the shape? I can, I can help them to push their ideas further. And then they are the first one surprising. Oh, wow. We never thought we could produce uh, that uh, when we started. And that's where what you described earlier, make it happen. This, this huge sense of, of um, empowerment and possibility and pride uh, that has happened within the frame of three hours, because that's that's the time frame of of of, of cuisine, uh, which is not the time frame of any company project. It's usually it's there's nothing below six months. So within a few hours, um, we create a sense of of possibility and 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 and. A, um, yes, this uh, sense of power in a team. 
Are there other formats you are using? I understand that you are using this format about um, creating their own recipe, uh, also uh, 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 build, uh, cooking yourself. Are there other formats you are using to uh, fuel this energy of innovation through uh, food, generally speaking? Maybe uh, it could be else than cooking, but generally speaking, uh, what, do you have other formats? Well, um, cooking is a very powerful one, but then in my, in my career of uh, innovation consultant, I've used um, other activities out of the office always. I mean, one of the, um, the tools that I've, I also really, really like is uh, what I call a retail safari. <laughs> so we, we go on the field uh, as sub-teams. Uh, we visit shops sometimes, well, always, I should say, not related to the original category. And um, the team is equipped with um, with notepads uh, and they have clear objectives always um, uh, of recording, taking pictures, uh, writing down adjectives, potential insights that they're trying to guess behind what they see on the shelves. Uh, but it's, um, once again, it's a direct experience of something different and I also encourage the teams to use their their five senses which is one of the things I also say very often in the in the kitchen so that's another example uh, of a tool that takes the teams out of their context opens opens their minds um, and get them fresh fresh ideas fresh it's not even ideas at the start of it it's just new clues, new things, new facts. And then, and then what matters is what we do with them. And once again, this is then me sitting with them and all of us working as a team on exploiting um, all, um, all of the materials. We talk about food creating recipe to eat. You have been working in the drink industry, I mean, in, with Danone, for instance, and you know this industry for your own clients at Pogotpa as well. Uh, do you think that uh, this could be duplicated as well with drinks? We see more and more innovation with small companies creating their own juice, their own uh, drinks easily. Uh, is it also part of the experience? Juice could be an easy drink to, to create within a couple of hours or a cocktail or uh, something to drink has it been part also of building uh, a, a class of innovation or is it something you you could build on i definitely could strangely enough i've not yet done a a, a work a cooking workshop where we would literally create a product it's always been a sort of a transversal approach uh, but absolutely i mean this is obvious um but then um i, I would definitely design um, a lot of preparation so that we what we do in the kitchen is leveraging actual insight actual market facts um uh, using ingredients that have legs to them so um it's but it absolutely could be done uh, and i look forward to doing that to taking it really very literally i could work um, with coffee companies creating new aromas um, juices and uh, everything that is mixed uh, is an obvious uh, brief for this type of experiment because we can really uh, try and test um, many options and open up um, and work on textures ingredients and it's it's a it's it's a fast track um, uh, innovation process in that case bringing all the important people uh, together in a room working across functions and uh, and actually making things happen 
that's a very good transition for one of the key questions I had for you is how do you leverage your understanding of innovation in big companies? Uh, again, GSK, a uh, huge company. Danone, very big company. Uh, you have worked, one of your clients at Pukapa is Innocent, for instance. They are all big companies uh, and their innovation process is uh, look for someone from outside, like a very complicated, with a lot of parts, very political as well inside um, uh, process. How do you bring this experience from big companies to actually a workshop and to shake a little bit uh, those, uh, those big companies from now outside? Because you are outside those companies and those big companies and you work with them. So what, what do you take from, from this experience? What do you take from your consulting experience? What do you take from your China experience and so many countries you have been with, you have been in because you have traveled actually many countries, you have lived in many countries, uh, all together to uh, bring uh, an effective innovation? Well, I think it's almost easier when you come from the outside. Um, um, one of the key success factors for for innovation it's, is that um, it should come from the top. There is no way uh, um, a major change or a very new idea can happen within a company if it doesn't come from the very top of the organization. It will get killed uh, three times before it, <laughs> it sees the, the day of light. So I'm, I'm, I'm always um, briefed by um, the leadership team. So that gives me uh, credibility to start with. And then, and then, as you said, yes, I've, I've, been, I've been very lucky to uh, have worked in many different industries, cosmetics, drinks, uh, airports, banking, uh, services. I mean, it's... It's varied and across cultures, um, obviously France, but then I lived for um, 10 years in the UK, then the Middle East, now China. So I guess it all, um, it's a little bit like a, like a, like a dish. You cannot, um, when it's very good, you can't always identify the, 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 the individual ingredients and the various spices. It just all went into the pot at different stages and it's sort of, Works together yeah. at the end, uh, and I guess that's that's how I feel. Like I, I come to a workshop and a project with a lot of passion and all of my experience, but I, 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 I don't feel the individual um, aspect. Sometimes I'm reminded of um, a specific project because I recognize that I'm facing the same difficulty that I did in the past. But most of the time, it's not even conscious. Um, so. Um, Yes. What about a framework? What about some, some framework, some tools you have been learning at GSK, at Danone, at those big companies, or from your, your work with some clients that you're reusing? I'm thinking for us at Dash Consulting, we use, for instance, a Lean Canvas. We may use the, the topics of uh, lean, the Lean Startup and the, the five, four steps to the epiphany. That kind of frameworks we like. We like iterative models where we innovate on an MVP, member of a product. Do you, do you have some framework you are reusing from this experience with big companies that you are uh, using in China? And is there a China specificity? Uh, is, this, is this something with your, with your workshop around food as well? Uh, could you elaborate a bit more what you got from this experience working in and with big companies for innovation in terms of you know, tools, framework? 
because innovation to to elaborate more sorry for that but innovation seems like like a, a art uh, so it seems like it goes it can go nowhere uh, but it can go it can it can it can go exactly where you want to go and to make it big um, and I, I remember uh, uh, Peter Drucker saying that uh, entrepreneurship is neither and 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 is neither an art neither a science it's a practice. Uh, but what about innovation? Uh, is it is it is it a science? Is it an art? Is it a practice? Do you need framework? Do you use frameworks? Um, so, could, would you mind sharing a, a bit more about your view of what innovation is and what tools uh, are, can be useful? Yes, with with pleasure. I I, I insist always on 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 approaching a, a brief with a, a very unique uh, set of tools. So I always think back um, and listen very carefully to my clients. And the process that I suggest to them is always made to measure. But if I'm, if I'm honest, there are steps that are always there. And you're, it's a very good question. And um, I, I would say two things. Um, one obsession of mine as, as a marketeer um, uh, and as it should be, is to put um, the whoever is the consumer of the product or the service at the very core of the innovation process. So that is that is always there, always, always, and it's um, uh, it's one thing that I constantly remind the, the teams uh, about. So that's one. It's not even a tool; it's a state of mind, and <laughs> it's absolutely mandatory. And then I, I tend to be quite systematic about um, approaching a specific project or a business. I, I look at all the corners. That's also something that I do all the time. And whatever the corners are, they may differ uh, by industry. Um, but I, I'm in my mind, I picture um, a landscape um, and I... I'm obsessed about making sure that I've looked behind each tree of this landscape, that we haven't ignored what's happening for competition. And I take competition always with a very wide approach um, and seeing it with the eyes of the consumer. Sometimes we define competition in a much too narrow way. Um, I tend to think of a specific product or service with the eyes of the consumers um, and think, okay, what else could replace that for me? And then you really define competition and sometimes there are surprises. But so, yes, making sure that we looked at that, uh, making sure we've looked at the legal context. Um, uh, it's not always uh, the most glamorous part, but it's critical. Um, so those are, this is the second tool, using this sort of a 360 consideration of a specific situation. So those are, those are the two uh, approaches that I always, always use. And then the process I design for my client is always unique. Um, and then China specifics. Yes. Yeah, true. true. One thing I wanted to, to, to add on is the legal context. Very often people think innovation, I think a bit in an artistic way. So they think that uh, it's going to be purely creative, out of the context, out of the world, with no roots. And they don't think that there are legal constraints. I remember when I was at ESSEC Business School, an entrepreneurship class, one of the students said, oh, we could use a subway to deliver products. And people would, would come in the subway with a big product on, the, on their shoulders and then uh, deliver 
to 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 someone uh, who has just bought like an IKEA or whatever furniture, and then the professor said, "Yeah, but do you think that's legal? And do you think really the, the the corporation which is managing the subway, the metro, is going to agree that people can uh, bring those big uh, furniture inside the subway?" So the legal context indeed is something which is sometimes overlooked by people doing innovation, but it's key. Uh, one more thing, you say that you focus on the consumer. And I'm surprised that you don't use those big words like design thinking. Because what say design thinking is to focus on the consumer. Is it because you don't like those big words like design thinking, lean canvas, you think they're actually uh, uh, shrinking a bit the thinking? Or is it uh, because you want to stay free? Is it there is a reason for, for that? Um, no, I just, I, I think those are very good concepts, very good approaches. If they are used in the right, uh, in the right way, I'm, I'm always trying to make sure that I, I start wide. Um, and then I go in, um, more specifically into tools. So I'm always trying to, to, to look, um, at a broad perspective before, uh, coming back to specific tools and why not design? I mean, it's uh, depending on the category, it can be extremely powerful. And I think it's completely aligned with what I'm doing. Uh, there are lots of commonalities, um, for instance, with cooking or even with my uh, philosophy of putting consumers at the core. That's very much what a design approach would do is go back to what's happening at the point of consumption. Like, when the product is used. So that's the same. I, I see absolutely no contradiction. It's just I'm, I, I don't want to move too quickly into execution in my approach. That's, that would be my answer. So it's, I, I cut it at the time when you wanted to talk about China more specifically, and you work uh, um, in China compared to your work outside of China and your past experience, which has been in big groups outside of China, GSK and Danon, where experiences outside of China. How do you, how does it compare with 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 China? It's um, obvious that um, the culture here is very different, um, and I'm. It still astonishes me every day. I mean, the, the speed, uh, the speed of the market here, whatever the category, um, this amazing hunger for learning uh, that um, uh, the Chinese culture can really boast about. Um, many, many features that are um, very impressive. Um, what I've felt in terms of innovation, uh, working here in the context of China, uh, I've really felt the, the benefit of um, my side approach and, 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 and working in the kitchen especially, um, because there's culturally, uh, there's a very specific um, approach to hierarchy uh, and to um, to losing face in front in front of the team, um, the, the, the team dynamic here is very very different from um, the dynamics that I've experienced in the U.S. or in Europe or even in the Middle East. Um, so uh, it's 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 been actually I think I, I may be at the best place with the with my my kitchen approach to innovation because. Uh, Cooking does a lot to those barriers. It's it's very powerful. So um, it's it's a good thing for me. I see. I see. So you see one of the key differences that's very interesting at uh, relationships between uh, people. How do you 
manage conflict? How do you manage confrontation? How do you manage disagreement? You see, you see, there is a big difference between your experience in China and in the in the West. Generally speaking, because you have been working in Middle East, in Europe, uh, and in the UK, continental Europe. Uh, so you feel that this is one of the keys. You, you said speed, speed of innovation, speed of conception, speed of learning. But this could be a context as well. Uh, maybe not as much as culture, uh, but it could be a context of opening up and so on. China economic context, but the one which is very linked to culture and where roots could be much, much, much deeper is actually the way you end a relationship with hierarchy, the way you end a relationship with um, your, 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 when you disagree with confrontation, uh, which could be good for the company, in fact. Which could be good for the the society or company, the people you work with or you live with. Um, so this is one of the big differences you assess, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, speed, yes, and there's a context. I mean, this is obviously a, a, a massive country and um, and growing in some categories. Uh, but I, I do believe, with everything that I've seen, and I wouldn't pretend that I I know China well after four years. But uh, I, I I do believe there's a there's a cultural element to to this speed. Is that um, something about the Chinese culture is really uh, turned towards improving and learning and understanding. Um, so I've, I've worked a little bit in the wine industry, for instance, um, and it's close to, uh, to, uh, to the, the, my, my cooking um, expertise, of course. And um, what um, the wine industry has seen here in China over the past years is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, there's been a development, like in a few years, um, what happened here happened happened in several decades in other countries so and and um and Chinese people are learning about wines um at an incredible speed uh, they are s several masters of wines now in China and and just the general knowledge uh, has moved from from zero to to Expertise, I would dare to say, in just 15 years. So um, I think there's still something cultural. And that's one of the things that absolutely fascinates me about this country and when I'm so happy to, um, to, to live here. So again, it's a very good transition for one other question I, 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 I had is, uh, you arrived in China four years ago, or five? Yes, four, four, four years four, ago. Five years ago, four years ago. Uh, What was the most surprising facts uh, you, you assessed at that time? And I think it's a very precious time when you come into a new country, especially China. You arrive in China during the first six months. That's always the first six months I'm very in, in, interested by. The first six months of Alibaba, the first six months of Microsoft, the first six months of Apple, the first six months in China. So the first six months in China, what did you observe, assess, that was very different and surprising from the West, where you could actually uh, find there are opportunities, there are things to do and so on, from, from a, a business society perspective, uh, which companies, brands, Have to take into account, otherwise they could uh, they they could uh, they could fail. They could not understand the the the, the market. What has been surprising to you is that it could be a good learning uh, for for someone with 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 listening to this show. 
Uh, I, I, so when when I first came to China, I was living in Beijing, and and since then, as you mentioned, I, I moved to Shanghai. But so Beijing was a very good um, uh, city to start with. Um, it's less open, uh, less foreign uh, than than Shanghai is, um, and I think what really surprised me in my first six months was that I could not label anything. I couldn't. Every single adjective I was tempted to use, I could also use another one or the opposite, just two meters away. Um, and I think this is one of the difficulties that a lot of Westerners have with this country is that it's obviously huge. And so it's it has to be very fragmented. But it's also everything has moved at a different pace as what we are used to. So one one minute you you see a, a street food vendor with very dubious hygiene and then the next minute you realize that he's got a digital business and he can deliver <laughs> his food um, and actually with five different flavors and each flavor you can also customize with five different ingredients and he can deliver at the other side of the city within 30 minutes and then you think, oh, so what is that business exactly? Is it a, 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 a tiny, poor business or is it already the, one of the <laughs> fastest moving ones? You can never label uh, what you observe. It keeps escaping the, the vocabulary that you have at your disposal because it's not it's not black or white it things happen at in a different way at a different pace and sometimes some of the most advanced steps that for you wouldn't see in the UK or in France they they've already happened here and they are advanced but the, some of the previous steps are just missing because no one is interested now so it's it's very difficult to to gather and and to which makes it so fascinating because you keep want you I still want to understand and to and to and to put words on what on things that I see but I, I often can't um, so that's that was that those were my first impressions and um, also something about the Chinese culture that I really really like and it's sometimes overlooked is that. Um, there's a deep interest for people here. Um, yes, it's a very commercial-driven country, but when you meet people at an individual level, they are interested in who you are deeply. Um, when I started cooking, and I, I, I did some classes with a, a Chinese interpreter, and I, I, um, I exchanged a lot with food bloggers and some food experts um, in this country who vlog and blog, and and they, they they were asking questions to me that were going beyond the, the technique of cooking. They wanted to know me. Um, they had a very holistic approach to who I was, and and a very clear curiosity for who I was. So I, I, I do believe there's, there's the opportunity for everyone coming here to really establish relationships and true human relationships with, um, with, uh, with their Chinese teammates or counterparts. Very interesting that you use the word holistic because it is well, uh, it's, it's often said 
that uh, the approach of truth, the approach of contract, the, the approach of relationship is holistic in China, where in, in the West it's segmented, where you're going to segment into different items, different articles in a contract, where uh, the, the holistic approach of a con contract is we are going to work together and we are going to make it work, uh, but in the specificities we don't know the future, so uh, we cannot really assess, we do that this time now, we sign this contract now because of the context, because it's changing, the contract may change. So, a very Western approach, which is to divide work, and we focus on work, we focus on the workshop, we focus on the, the food you are teaching, and then uh, we don't talk about private life, we don't talk about who you are, and so on. But indeed, in the in a Chinese perspective, you tend to have a much more holistic approach. That's very interesting. Uh, actually, uh, um, I, I, I didn't put this word on it, but it's a very, very interesting um, remark. And to label what, what you have in front of you, uh, it's always um, uh, difficult in China indeed because the, the, the world is so different so it's difficult to put the, the, the words uh, which are Western words on what you see. I, I, I'd like to talk now about innovation. Uh, do you see in the way the Chinese innovate uh, versus the way uh, Western uh, people innovate, a big difference. We, we, McKinsey said, that some reports said that um, Chinese tend to have a go-to market which is faster. So they test actually and innovate with the market, actually in a way which is much more design thinking in some way because they test it with the consumer. Uh, whereas in, in Europe where or uh, in the West, we had much more R&D um, uh, DNA or very uh, engineer DNA where the products need to be refined, perfect, then we launch it. Maybe nobody wants it, but we launch it. So th that's one of the differences that people think of innovation between West and China. What, what has been your perspective of how Chinese innovate and the West is innovating? Yes, I can. I can fully uh, second this based on my observations and and, and practices. Um, in in the West, we we need plans, um, and usually senior leadership has asked for a clear plan. It can be even up to a five-year plan. Uh, this would be. This is totally exotic to a Chinese mind. Um, how? on earth would you build a five-year plan when you don't even know what in five months the your own market will look like because things change that fast here. Um, and also, um, I mean, we just, in the West, we tend to ignore that that things change this fast because we like planning. We, we need the security of the next step. And underneath the next step, there has to be a very set of actions that are very well uh, distributed to individuals within the company. And then only we feel that, yes, we can go ahead. We, we know what we are doing. It's all laid out. It's structured so we can go. And of course, the Chinese approach is completely different. It's a lot more fluid. Um, we, there needs to be a sense of objective, what we are after, but then how to do it, we will design it as we start doing it. So there's there's walk and chat at the same time uh, and progress. So of course, for me as a as an innovation professional, I I, I design um, the the discussions in a very very different way, and I, I take into account the fact that here uh, the culture doesn't require such a rigorous planning. Um, uh, it's still very important to have a sense of objective and a sense of who does what, who gets started. But then there needs to be a lot of um, sort of a suppleness uh, and. Uh, and uh, the, the, the space for a lot of agility and constant check with 
with the real world and what's happening out there. And I think it's very wise. So I, I feel very comfortable in, in adjusting uh, this way. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's, it's what design thinking is and to test with the customer, customers, the consumers, the use. So China is, is, is in some way modern the way it's innovating. Um, now we are um, heading to the end of the, of, of the talk and we have those usual 10 questions. So maybe we're not going to ask all of them, uh, but we have a few questions we usually ask at the end. So what books inspired you most um, in, your, in, in your entrepreneurial journey in building Pourquoi Pas? Um, hmm. Or in China? I would, I would have answered. It, yes, yeah. uh, there's a book that I I've, uh, that have really helped me a lot in um, approaching the Chinese culture. It's called The Paradox of the Redfish. Um, and, and, and I will, I will send the details <laughs> separately. Uh, but it's, it's a short book um, uh, written by someone who deals with philosophy. So it has a lot of depth. And to me, that was my, um, that was my best uh, help on looking at the Chinese culture because it provided me with different words, different tools. And it explained to me that I had to change my, the whole frame of my thinking in order to observe things here. So that's, that's definitely my recommendation. What do you read to stay up to it about China? Ooh, it's not reading for China. I go out on the street. I open doors, I look at cafes, restaurants, I observe people out there. I think uh, everything that is written is, is already too late. <laughs> so it's a direct experience. Is it that you randomly walk sometimes in the, in the, in, in the city to explore, to, to discover, or is it that you already know where to go and you want precisely to see something new you have, you have heard about or you have seen in the press? I do, I do a bit of both, of course, and I, uh, I, I always approach things with a sense of networking. I, I, uh, I, um, I listen to other people's advice and I take, I make notes of addresses. I've got countless, um, memos in my phone where I've made notes of something, a place that someone mentioned. So that's, that's what I do. But I also, um, believe in the power of, of random and random exploration, especially in a city like, in the two cities that I've, I've, I've lived in China, both Beijing and Shanghai. Things change so fast that even the, the street where you were walking, um, uh, in last month is, is, looks different today. So, a bit of both. Um, if you had the extra time, what would you like to create, to build, to 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 to, to, to do? Chinese speaking, I would love to go to other Chinese cities. Um, I mean, Shanghai and Beijing are already so big uh, that it it takes all my all my time. But I would love to to explore. Um, I mean, I've I've visited other cities but I would love to also work there to develop a business there like uh, Chengdu fascinating city um, and very interesting uh, cuisine culture too of course um, Hangzhou uh, uh, Shenzhen I mean I, I would love to be able to embrace um, more of the <laughs> the size of this country but of course everything is so big and uh, there's already so much to do for me uh, just where I am now in Shanghai that I haven't yet found the time. 
True, China is very big and people don't realize that uh, Shandong is, I think, more populated than Germany, for instance. So that can give the sense of how many cities can exist, how many million million people cities can exist in China. Uh, that that actually mind blowing when we think about it. Uh, what what unexpected success have you witnessed in China? Uh, you wouldn't have uh, expected uh, something which has grown big, which has been very successful. The reason why I'm asking this question, and we talked about it before we started the interview, or maybe at the beginning of the interview, uh, it's that Peter Drucker uh, assessed, uh, the, the famous uh, thinker of management and so on, assessed innovation through unexpected failure or unexpected success. And because there is an unexpected success or unexpected failure, is thinking there is something changing in the market. There is, there is innovation here. Uh, what unexpected uh, success, so that's, that, that, that's a, to go back to the question, have you witnessed in China, which was really a surprise for you? I would say yogurt. Uh, and I'm uh -huh. of course, I'm going to stay in the food category because this is close to my heart. But today, the yogurt category in this country is huge. And I'm, I, I'm confident enough to say that maybe 10 years ago, we would have asked, even people who claim um, being experts of this market would have, <laughs> they would have said, there's no way yogurt can succeed here. Um, it's dairy, uh, which people historically do not consume here. It's, um, it's cold and there's something about the Chinese medicine that says that, you know, cold food for you is not good, especially in winter. I mean, see in Beijing how many yogurts are consumed every day during the famously cold, <laughs> freezing Beijing winter. Um, and then it's, it's a nightmare in terms of logistics. Yogurt, it's a fresh product. How do you stock it? How do you, and same, you see vendors on the street everywhere in Beijing and it's, so um, that's uh, for me a good example that things can happen here despite a lot of reasons why they shouldn't. Um, and I guess there's a combination of health benefits and and a certain um, a certain uh, capacity to embrace novelty here, which. Um, uh, will keep surprising us, I believe. Let's see what the champagne category is. Uh, let's see where it's going, because it could also be a big surprise. Um, it's not supposed to be a, a likable product in the Chinese uh, culture, but I already mentioned that the wine business has completely exploded. So what's the next step? Interesting, very interesting, and indeed, people who live in Beijing can see, let's say, in Alugoshan, for instance, those shops with yogurt, uh, where uh, 10 years back, we had to give back, give them back, actually, the, uh, the, 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 we the, 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 the cup uh, because they wanted to 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 get yeah, as a part to get it back. Um, it was it, yeah, we, we get back the part of the money. Uh, what unexpected failure uh, have you witnessed in China? Um, and and you 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 couldn't have actually thought about uh, before you came to China, which was surprising. I mean, in the business, in the society, in terms in the economy, uh, the, one of the uh, failure I, I witnessed when I'm in China 
uh, is the failure of, of Carrefour. I, when I arrived in China 10 years ago, Carrefour was a fast-growing company, was a successful company, and uh, it has failed by not being digitalized, by not being in the city, and to uh, have a model based on the car, where you come with your car, you put everything in your, uh, you put all your, or, or everything you bought in, in, the, in the car, and you go back home. Yes, that, that's one that is really also close to my heart because, of course, this is a, um, a beautiful uh, French company. So I, that, that I would definitely have quoted this one. Also in the in the category of cosmetics, uh, some uh, yet another famous French company has failed in some segments because um, uh, because of the local competition and. Um, um, uh, once again, this amazing capacity that some um, uh, Chinese companies have demonstrated at at, at uh, mastering the, the quality um, uh, of of the products and also um, understanding deeply the the insights. So it's no longer enough to have a bit of exotism and coming from the West and even the the Frenchness of a proposition, this is, this is still noticed and it's, um, there's a shortcut for quality and a certain sense of elegance and history, but it's just not enough. Um, and I think no Western brand or, or French more specifically, but no Western brand can be arrogant enough to just turn up in China and expect that people will buy just because it comes from outside. <laughs> and unfortunately, sure, sure. those few examples are painful reminders that um, that this is a very demanding market here. Um, it's and it's it's segmented and precisely segmented, and and people want quality and want value for money. True. Thank you very much, Sandrine, for your time. Um, thanks for sharing with us. So I hope that everyone enjoyed the, the talk. Uh, a few, a few words about about China Paradigm. If you like it, please uh, follow us on um, on Apple Podcast on on Himalaya. Uh, now we are on Himalaya too. Uh, it has been a couple of days. We are on Himalaya, and we are on Spotify. We are on all the all the platforms. Follow us. We have also a newsletter, and we are going to have a seminar soon, uh, mid uh, mid December, early January, two two sessions on brand independence. How do you get independent from the marketplaces, from Tmall, from JD, which are actually taking some margin out of you of your brand, and also which are. Um, trading your clients, trading to others, your databases. So please, um, if you like the show, follow us, like it, comment it, and um, please uh, continue to listen to us. Talk soon. Bye.